Hello, and welcome to Smart Supply Chain, a podcast produced by ALOM, featuring industry experts offering insight and clarity on a variety of supply chain topics. I'm your host, Jennifer Duell. As an environmentally and socially conscious global supply chain services provider, ALOM offers Six Sigma quality, technology leadership, flexibility, and true customer focus. ALOM delivers its clients' products flawlessly, enriching the end user experience and upholding their brand reputations. Our guest expert today is Stephen Pierce, Director of Operations at the ALOM Indianapolis Production and Fulfillment Facility. Today, we're going to be talking about picking strategies and the impact they have on the supply chain. Thank you for being here today, Steve. I'm excited to chat with you. Thank you for having me, Jennifer. So first, let's just define picking, which is locating the place in the warehouse where a product or an item is stored, and then pulling that item or product from inventory, moving it to another location where it can be packed and shipped as a completed product or utilized in a production or assembly process to build a finished product. Is that correct? So picking has multiple functions to it. There's the fulfillment where you are picking a finished good and taking it to a shipping dock. There's where you're picking a few different items and taking them straight to the shipping dock because they're going to be shipped together. And then there is picking to go to a place where you're adding value to the product, such as a kitting operation. How critical is picking in the supply chain within supply chain operations? Picking is a key component of the supply chain process, picking the right product, storing the right product, and then being able to pick the right product, the right quantity, and take it to the next step within the warehouse where you're going to process it in some fashion. The process of picking, is it a pick plan? Is it a a pick process, a picking sequence? What is the terminology? So within the warehouse, we're going to set up what we like to call a pick path. Pick paths are generally driven by skew velocity and as well as frequency of pick. And frequency of pick is generally the more important variable of those items. Because if I go to a location and I typically pick one each or I pick three eaches, the act of picking those eaches is less time consuming than the act of traveling to that location to make that pick. So in the warehouse, travel is the enemy. We set up a pick path usually based on frequency of pick. We'll want to put like items close together or items who we pick often together. So there's an incidence or coincidence of pick also. If every time I pick item A, I pick item B or two A's and one B, we're going to look at that coefficient between those, that ratio, and try to locate those items so that it makes sense from a picking perspective and reduce travel. So if I'm making spaghetti, for example, then I go to the pantry and I get the pasta sauce and maybe I get some mushrooms and that would be picking. I'm picking at my pantry and I'm grabbing it all at once because I know I'm going to be using it. It's a good analogy. You may pick spaghetti or a similar noodle and use it in spaghetti, the tradition, right? But you may also use it less traditionally. You may use it in a stroganoff. You may use it just by itself, or you may use it in an Asian dish, right? The chances of you picking 
a marinara sauce to go with that spaghetti are probably the closest. So we'd probably look at the coefficient of picking a marinara sauce or an Alfredo sauce and try to locate those products based on the number of times we pick one of those sauces as it relates to whenever we pick a box or carton of the pasta. Is it something where it is constantly in flux? Do you have to make it agile and adaptable? Absolutely. Seasonality certainly comes into play depending on what your product is and the seasonality of those goods determines where you're going to want to put them within the pick path. An optimal pick path keeps your inventory and your picking as close to the point of shipping as possible to further reduce this travel, this waste of time that is travel. If you are a manufacturer of multiple goods that are holiday type goods, be it paper products or ornaments or other such things, you're going to want to change where you're slotting those items within the pick path. The pick path itself is fairly static. Once you establish a pick path within your warehouse, the path itself should remain fairly constant. Well, I see what you're saying. You change the actual inventory along the path. Correct. You're going to change what you slot and where you slot it. And again, ideally, you're going to put those most frequent picks. You're going to want to look at where you're placing those items to, again, reduce this travel time. You had said earlier that travel is the enemy in the supply chain. Yes. Can you expand on the idea of travel being the enemy? Sure. And that's true of anywhere in the supply chain, right? Whether you're importing goods by ship, you want to take the least amount of energy to expand, the least amount of time, because all of those things are costing you fuel and money. As your inventory sits on the ocean, if you're importing from a, another import offshore point, you have dollars tied up that you can't do anything with until they're landed. And then when it gets into the warehouse, somewhat similarly, we want to take that product off of the trailer or container it came in and get it into our inventory as quick as possible so our customers can begin dropping orders against it and we can fulfill those orders, ship them out, get them to the end customer, and then generate that revenue along that whole path. In the warehouse, all of those factors come into play. Where are we going to store it? What's the shortest path for storage that equates to the best path then for fulfillment or picking to get it to the next step in the process? When we talk about the picking path and talk about a warehouse or a facility and, and an inventory being stored in a certain place, does your pick path depend on the actual size of the warehouse and the way that the warehouse is set up and the warehouse design? What are all of the considerations that go into the picking path? So ideally... When we start out, we have this grandiose idea of we know what customers we're going to be using. That doesn't happen always, right? Sometimes you have a build-a-suit building where you design it for a particular customer with a particular goods movement and process where you know those variables. And you can structure the entire facility layout to meet the customer's needs and demands, not just today, but again, looking down the road with as much vision as you can to meet expanded growth and make sure it's scalable. Other times, a customer may come to you because they're out of space or they recognize that their expertise is in manufacturing and not necessarily in warehousing and distribution. So they want to outsource that to somebody that is their expertise. I would say in almost all cases, outsourcing to a third-party provider such as ALOM 
will save the customer money because we know how to lay out buildings. So we can take the product that they have, we'll look at it, we'll look at our racking, existing racking if we have it, or we will reconfigure our warehouse to meet the needs of that customer. And both of those can be outstanding solutions and much improved typically over what the customer is going to be doing themselves. Are you changing your racking or you're changing the actual facility and the setup of the facility or are you trying to modify the path? Because I would assume that the path is more modifiable than bigger structural things like racking and the building itself. It goes right back to, first of all, what is the customer's need? What's the product? Many customers ship product out in various modes. They may ship full pallets. They may ship cases. They may ship eaches or master packs and then eaches. So you would look at the volume of each and again, the frequency of pick for those items. And then you're going to look at the best place to put it within that warehouse. There's no easy answer to that, I guess is probably the best answer to tell you. There's not an easy answer. It's a matter of looking at all of the variables and coming up with the most efficient design for a given customer. And again, if a customer comes to us, we're going to look at all of those. And it may mean that we change our racking. We may adjust racking because a customer has more each picking than they do case pick. So we may put in bin storage or a pick to light scenario, voice pick. Again, we may look at multiple types of picking methodologies for that customer. Is that one of the big things that you have to build up this expertise in creating and seeing different pick paths in action, I guess, to figure out kind of the variables that you need to include? It is. And again, hopefully the customer has some knowledge that helps us. A lot of times you'll start down a particular process you think is going to work or that the customer is recommended. And you really dig into the details and into the minutiae. So you're going to look at how many eaches you're picking per line. How many lines do you have per order? If I go to a location, I'm going to pick one, or if I'm going to pick three, my time at that particular location, that stop, if you will, is negligible, whether I pick one or three. Now, what is not negligible is how long does it take me to get to the next point that I'm going to pick something for that same order. So again, when we're combining different SKUs per order, all of these things become critical factors. You know, if we're working with a company that's in the eye care business, and they produce the frames or and they produce eyeglasses, the glass itself in various types and contacts, different types of contact lenses. And they say, well, this is what we always like and this is what we'd like you to do is put all of the frames in one aisle, all of the glassware, the glass itself in another and all of the soft contacts in one area and all the hard contacts in one area and then all of the accessories in an aisle. We're going to look at the data that they give us and we're going to say, wait a minute, when we pick a frame, typically, if it's this type of frame, it goes with this type of glass. And then, by the way, that customer seems to also be purchasing a set of contacts, right? I'm going to look at those and I'm going to slot those goods that seem to be shipping with a high coefficient of pick as close to one another as I can. And that's going to probably be different from the customer that always slotted those particular items in the same aisle. And again, it's different. It's a different way of looking at it, but it's going to reduce the time and the travel to pick that order complete and get it out the door. Do you know what this makes me think of? My closet. <laughs> 
There was a time in my life where I organized my closet and I organized it by type of clothing. So I would have pants and then blouses and shirts and then dresses and skirts. It sounds like you're setting up a nice pick path. Assuming that you're mixing and matching as most people do with their wardrobe. But if you use the whole scenario that you talked about in the picking path, if you always wear the same shirt and the same pants together, then should you hang them together? I think that's something to think about, and that would make logic. At least if at least maybe you would say, you know what, I'm going to put my blouses close to my pants because when I wear some type of a pant, I wear a blouse. I don't wear a dress, so I'm going to put my dresses then in a different area. But you know what? When I wear one of my dresses, I typically wear this type of shoe. So I will have those shoes underneath my dresses as opposed to having my outdoor athletic shoes underneath my dresses. And I'll put my athletic shoes perhaps underneath where I typically put my jeans or my athletic wear. But you know what? We're not going to put your closet into a million square foot warehouse because we'd have a lot of space that you wouldn't need. So we're going to size your closet to meet your needs, no bigger than you need, because then you'd be wasting space and paying for something that you don't need, and no smaller, because if we make it any smaller, we're going to start mixing up those products and our efficiency becomes less. So you're right picking and you're right sizing. Space is a fixed expense. So when a customer, if they come and they say, listen, I need 200,000 square feet, we're going to look at what their needs are based on the product and the product mix and their turns, how often their inventory turns within that space, and try to come back to them with an appropriate size that's going to handle the inventory they need, that's going to be right-sized based on what they have to have for safety stock and the number of turns that they have told us they have, so that they're not constrained and putting more things in their warehouse than they have space for, but at the same time, they're not paying for space they don't need. And those are very challenging discussions that require a lot of statistical data and information to illustrate and to communicate correctly and properly how we can save customers money. If you have a poor pick path, then that is essentially wasting money, yes? Yeah, you're wasting money. You may have taken down more space than what you needed because you didn't consolidate your pick path properly to what your real needs are. That travel is killing you. So I can't pick as many items as I should be able to pick if I was efficient. Now I need more people because I'm inefficient. And that means I need more equipment. I need more RF guns or voice configurations whatever it may be. Picking in general has this really big ripple effect. It can create a surprising amount of ripple throughout the supply chain. Yes, everything counts in the supply chain. Everything. That should be our slogan. Everything counts in the supply chain. <laughs> That's why, you know, we engineer right down to the movements we use when someone's doing a kitting process, right? What movements are necessary, what are not necessary to try to help people become as efficient as they possibly can. So you had mentioned earlier the picking methodologies. I'm just curious if people within the supply chain industry at different levels of expertise and knowledge base within the industry have a strong familiarity with different picking methodologies. What do you think are like the top five picking methodologies? So top five would probably be zone picking, voice picking, RF picking, various forms of pick the light 
And those were probably the most common and the most frequent. Then there's always pick to paper. It really boils down to what is the best for your individual application, what's the most cost effective, and then what's your capital outline, what's your goal in ROI. In RF picking, you're using some type of a scanner, be it a finger scanner or handheld device, depending on the methodology of pick. But you're going to scan a barcode that's going to tell your warehouse management system that I've depleted my inventory of this SKU from this location in this quantity. And then it's going to upload that information, and then I'm going to go on to my next pick, or it'll be uploading as I'm moving to my next pick. If I go to a voice pick, I'm going to hear the order requirement in my ear. I'm going to go to the location it told me to go to. It's going to tell me the quantity I need to pick. I'm going to confirm that quantity back. It's going to deplete whatever that number is that we picked, and then it's going to tell me the next location to go to. And so it's a faster way. For one, my hands are free, so I can pick a little faster. It's a device I'm wearing, so I don't have time to talk about the basketball game last night to my neighbor, because the other thing that happens with voice is if I start talking about the basketball game, the voice is going to get off and it won't be able to give me good information. In Pick the Light, typically, there is a light that is associated with a SKU. So again, you've got all your product laid out in a rack. Each SKU has its own location within that rack and there are lights associated with it. Typically, when you enter a picking zone in a pick-to-light environment, the lights will light up and tell you how many of each product to pick, and you pick them into the shipping carton or some other vessel that you're using to collect the units for that order. So the lights themselves tell you this? They flicker or something? Yep, it'll light up, and it will show you the number you need to pick. The light will shine, which looks like a little button, and it will light up and tell you when you get there, that it'll say six. So then you tap that button six times. You can set those up depending on the needs for your quality processes and what works best based on your workforce and ideal and how fast you want to move. Pick to light is typically faster than voice pick is typically faster than RF pick and everything's faster than paper pick. Right. So paper pick would be essentially like you get a printout of everything you need and you're following it based on the paper. Yes. Extremely low volume application is where you'll see paper pick. When you think about where most mistakes are made within the supply chain as it relates to a facility, is it in picking? If you follow processes to the letter, it will eliminate errors and you'll have higher quality. RF picking will improve quality dramatically over paper picking. In a voice pick type application, there's no scanning as a norm. So now you're counting on the replenish person or the put away driver that makes sure that they put that product that is supposed to go in that location in the right location. If they didn't, you as the voice picker, you can pick everything in that location incorrect because someone upstream didn't do their job correctly. I ordered a very beautiful wrap dress. The color was supposed to be Fabulous Fuchsia. Nice. Yeah, I was very excited about it. It was this really nice, bright color, perfect for summer. And I get my delivery and I'm looking for my Fabulous Fuchsia and I see nothing that is Fabulously Fuchsia. I found the dress, the same style of dress and the right size, but it was this cobalt blue, which was a beautiful color. And I do look good in blue, but I did not want blue. I wanted fabulous fuchsia. <laughs> and so how did that happen? That was a picking error, right? 
it it's possible, but it could have happened upstream. We can say, yes, of course, it was a picking error. They picked the wrong product. So as a consumer, yes, it's the wrong product. And where it happened upstream, you don't really care, but you got the wrong product. But the picker may have gone to the location that Fabulous Fuchsia was supposed to be in, and they picked what they thought was a Fabulous Fuchsia dress. But a replenisher had replenished that location with cobalt blue. The error could have happened any number of ways. And then that required me to actually return it. And that costs money too. Right. Now, if that customer's goal for shipment accuracy is 99.999, you just happen to be the 0.001 that happened out of the 100,000 shipments that they made that week accuracy is such that they feel it's good enough and it meets the needs of their company and their customers at a cost they can afford. Now, if they decide they can afford another six seconds per location or three seconds, whatever they determine the time to scan an item is, so they're going to add a UPC scan, then it's going to improve their accuracy for that pick because I'm going to scan the location and I'm going to scan the UPC code. But it does add a time. And again, you're adding time at each location and with each pick over an entire warehouse. So does accuracy equal more pick time? It depends on pick methodology. Everything goes back to what you're willing to invest, what you can afford, what your customers are willing to accept. Ultimately, what you're looking at is customer satisfaction down the line. Exactly. And as a operator, I would tell you what the cost of that next improvement in percentages and percent of accuracy is and let you make the decision because what you're willing to spend or in what the item costs, I would always argue for the quality side because you just can't beat quality. And to your point, the cost of returns can exceed the cost of the original picking process. Because you're paying for shipping back. And also I want to point something out. I no longer want that fabulous fuchsia dress. Exactly. So you lost the sale. Right. Because in the meantime, I also bought another dress. (laughs) But they lost that sale. And you may have bought the other dress anyways. But they lost that sale. And they went through the whole process. So they have an ordering process, order administration, order management that gets the order down to the warehouse floor, a inventory system that's managing that inventory, somebody is projecting what the needs are for that particular SKU and ordering them, came over all the way from a mill in who knows where, Vietnam, China, Indonesia, where they had to mill all of the goods. They had to weave them, cut them, sew them. And now after all of those things, it doesn't get sold. What is the final word that you want to tell us about picking paths, picking methodology? What do you want us to know? The real critical factors are know your customer, know your product, and take time in dealing with a third-party provider or a consultant or whomever it is that's helping you design your supply chain. Take time to get to know them to make sure that it's really a partner partnership in this business is really the key. You have to be able to have a good working relationship, a lot of trust and confidence in each other. And by the same token, the third party, we're here to serve. So we have to be able and willing to listen to our customer, hear them, and really hear what it is that's important to them and design a supply chain that really meets their needs. So it's a great business. I really love it. And I love the variables. They make it a lot of fun. 
I really appreciate you taking time to talk with me and allowing me to pick your brain. (laughs) Thank you, Jennifer. You're very kind. Thank you for listening to this episode of Smart Supply Chain. We hope you will join us for our next episode. For more information or to contact ALOM, go to alom.com. That's A-L-O-M dot com.